Weird. Okay. Well, let me stir this. <laughs> the podcast has started. <laughs> wow. We're much interesting. Somebody was like, what are you doing today? And I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm going to be on extra sauce on the side. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you don't know about the like, you know about podcast in town? Yeah. Come on. Extra sauce on the side. What are you eating? Welcome to Extra Sauce on the Side. I'm Sam. We're here with Jen. Uh, Jen Fillenworth is a all-around badass and friend and chef mostly, but she does a lot of other really cool things for the community and is one of the first people that I was introduced to in Grand Rapids by our friend CJ. Um, and then we've been friends ever since. So Jen is here doing our first virtual episode because I got COVID. So if you think my voice sounds terrible, it does. <laughs> um, but today is my last day of quarantine. So we're here partying. So it's fun for me to actually see Jen because I haven't seen her for two weeks and that's a long time for us. So uh, Jen, tell us a little bit about your various expertise and what you like to do on the weekends. Oh man, (laughs) my job. No, first of all, I'm honored to be the first virtual podcast and also to be on your last day of quarantine. That's historic. You You will never forget this day. I'm honored that we're friends. So (laughs) I I love it. Yeah. So what the heck do I do? Um, Well, I am a executive chef over at a place called Brute Pharmacy in East Hills. So rocking out the food as medicine concept. Oh man, on the side, I'm also still personal chefing, doing pop-ups. So we do something called Mavens with Paula Reed over at Amethyst Bee Cakery. So we'll pop up some cool concepts every now and then. What else do I do, Sam? I just feel like it all it all rock runs a together. Mean jumpsuit. <laughs> I rock a mean Dickies jumpsuit for sure. That, not just Dickies. The, those sheen that's, specials. That's true. Ooh, the Sheen special. Yeah, Sam's talking about the super obnoxious floral jumpsuit that I saw on Sheen. And I was like, I got to have it. We'll be sure to use a picture of that for a promo. Yeah, we, yeah, we need to flash that photo. And really, in there, general, there I just might follow be Jen around too. and document her life. So it's really fun to be able to share a little <laughs> bit of the behind the scenes of what she does on the daily. And then we're kind of surrounding a big event right now. And Jen was just on the Food Network. Um, she won ten thousand dollars. It's no mm-hmm. big deal. We can no say that deal. because it's money, already money. Spoiler <laughs> alert! But a lot of what led up to Jen being on the Food Network is really kind of heroic, and um, oh. it would be really interesting for the world to hear a little bit behind why that win was so emotional for you. I know you cried on TV, and they didn't really give a lot of the backstory. So yeah, um, <laughs> just like this girl's so emotional. <laughs> this girl just keeps crying. She can't handle it, which crying. is really funny because Jen is like, like I am very much a man's woman, so we don't yeah. show a lot of emotion. And um, you rub some dirt in it for sure. Yeah, and we're working on it, but uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I think maybe if we just talk a little bit about the last year, year and a half leading up to um, getting the call from the Food Network and kind of where you were at the first time you got a call and then just what happened from there. So just maybe tell your story about about that situation. Yeah, for sure. So the first time that Food Network really reached out to me, it was actually 
summer of 2019. So we had kind of talked about the show. Um, they were going to film it around fall, winter time, somewhere in there. I was like, cool, I'll wait for the call. I'll be ready for it. I had already interviewed for the show over Skype with producers. And November 2019 rolls around and I get into a really bad car accident. So it was actually while I was in the hospital recovering from spinal fusion surgery, um, exploratory laparotomy, I had a broken leg, carotid artery dissection. So all the things that could go wrong went wrong. And I think it was like day three or four, they sent me the list of film dates and they were in January. And I thought to myself, all right, maybe I can pull off a miraculous recovery and be running in like six weeks. <laughs> but that didn't happen. So I couldn't go. And over like the past year, it has just been kind of, you know, working to rehab and start walking again, jogging, running, just like having the strength to even be up and moving around the kitchen because it's a very physical job. You're on your feet all day long. So while I'm working on this, I ended up getting called back around spring 2020. And the producers were like, hey, you know, we're going to we're getting ready to film our third season again. It's probably going to film sometime in summer, depending on what goes on with now this pandemic we're in. So on top of recovering from the accident that rolled into a pandemic, um, it was just kind of crazy. So we were actually supposed to film over the summer, could not because of the restrictions in L.A., so then it got moved to fall 2020. So we actually filmed this episode towards the end of October. So I did get to go out, still a pandemic, but of course safer. I think I had to take like three or four COVID tests before I actually went out. And then by the time I got to LA, I had to quarantine in the hotel for several days before we even got to go film it. You have to take more COVID tests to make sure you didn't get COVID on the flight out there. So yeah, it was it was wild to just have all those experiences, have like the big recovery for the past year. Then you have the pandemic and all the stressors added in on that. And then we were actually getting ready to open Root Pharmacy as well. So I just up and left before we even opened the doors to the public. And I was like, guys, I, I got to go. I had to lie to everybody about why I was going to L.A. So there was just all these things where I was like, oh, my gosh. I like, I'm my, sorry, uh, we're opening a brand new business yeah. with a concept that no one's ever seen before. And I need to leave like a week exactly. before. Yeah, during this pandemic <laughs> and, and hope that my leg can stay in one piece while I'm out there. Yeah. And then they make <laughs> you run on camera like a bunch of. Yeah. Heads. Yeah. And there were a couple people that noticed they were like, yeah, you were lifting pretty good towards then. And I was like, for sure, that was the most running I've done in an entire year. And it was on concrete and it was like 95 degrees out. And I was wearing little Converse. Because <laughs> so, fashion. Yeah. yeah, it's fashion. So I think um, maybe we should just talk a little bit more about the accident, if you're comfortable with that. Just yeah, because absolutely. I think it's crazy when you're a career woman like we are, how um, society really wants you to just like gloss over that. And mm -hmm. the fact that I got a call and the first thing that CJ had to say to me was that you weren't dead because your injuries were so bad. She yeah, couldn't go into how sure. bad your injuries were before she told me because I would have thought you were dead. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe just go into a little bit more detail, if you're willing to, about how severe those injuries were and why it took 
so long to recover. And the fact that your recovery is way faster than it should have been because of who you are, (laughs) you should still be recovering. You should not be running at this point. (laughs) Yeah. So what happened was it, I was in a car going probably 85 miles per hour, um, in the car, like the weather changed all of a sudden it was sleeting and the car just happened to hydroplane, like off the highway hit a tree going about 85 miles per hour. So the impact alone was pretty significant. And then it's kind of crazy because in the time that you have where you're sliding off, you hit a tree, it's probably like 30 seconds. So then just like on impact, I initially knew that I was pretty hurt. I could just feel it. Something didn't feel right. So I actually, I ended up getting out of the car and walking about 20 feet before I was kind of like, I really don't feel good. I should probably lay down. So I laid down like right in the woods there because we were pretty far off the road. And the craziest thing I think about that day is there was a nurse that actually saw the accident happen and she stopped and got out and sat with me because I was supposed to get Aeromed back to Grand Rapids. I was in Big Rapids at the time and the Aeromed actually had to go to another call because there was a guy that was on his roof that had fallen off and he lost consciousness. And I did not in the accident. Yeah. So he got priority. So they went there. So we waited, man, 25, 30 minutes for this ambulance to come. And like, I could just feel it like get more and more painful as I kind of laid there. Like I didn't know kind of the extent Um, I had lifted up my winter jacket and I saw that like my abdomen was all black and blue already. So I knew something was wrong and there was some sort of internal bleeding. So I just tried to like stay super calm and like basically lay there and wait. So then my ambulance finally gets there and they put me on the stretcher. They put me in C-spine so that I can't move because they're pretty sure at that point that it is some sort of spinal fracture. So I got put in C-spine and that's, (laughs) it's kind of funny, not funny, but you know, you, you go back into an ambulance and take the same path that you just slid off on. And yeah. now you're back in the, in the car again. And yeah, so we end up back in Grand Rapids where we had started. <laughs> and, um, I remember getting the trauma and that's kind of the craziest thing is when you are actually in trauma and all of a sudden there's like 20 people around you asking you questions, flashing lights in your face, they cut off all your clothes. So you're just naked. There's people crawling all over you. You are so naked. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Not anytime anyone's like, oh, I have to get dressed. You want me to leave? I'm like, no, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Been naked in front of plenty of strangers now. (laughs) But part of the reason you kind of knew what was going on too is because you do have a medical background. You worked in a hospital for a while. And I think people forget that about you, that you have, that you were a nurse for a long time. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Yeah. So I worked as a, I know I worked as a clinical dietitian for, oh man, almost six years. I was very familiar with like intensive care units, everything that goes on, traumas. Um, I actually worked in ortho for a while too. So it's kind of funny. I I very much was like, all right, these are things going on. So we get to trauma and they start doing all the scans. And then once they get you kind of stable and situated, you go back into like your little trauma bay room and my dad's such a good sport he um he's always funny even when things are like super hard he's just like do you want me to turn the tv on for you can can you see it okay and he knows i can't because i'm in c-spine with like the thing around my neck and i'm just laying there (laughs) staring at the ceiling and i'm like this jackass (laughs) (laughs) so they slowly start 
like each discipline starts coming in like neuro cardiovascular all the people come in and they kind of give you like the laundry list of items which and is you had one fun. from every department by the way I did yeah so the first one that came in was um trauma slash general surgery because they were really concerned about my abdomen because we couldn't see anything on the CT scans they were like there's a lot of blood in there um, we need to go to emergency surgery. That's basically what they said to me. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, so they're like, we're going to go in a couple hours. Fun fact about that day, I ate three times before one o'clock. I had Jimmy John's drunken noodles and an egg sandwich. I was very hungry. <laughs> so we had to wait a little bit to get me in the surgery. <laughs> so, <laughs> so skinny girls eat thing. three meals in the morning sometimes oh, yeah. too? For sure. For sure. <laughs> So that was kind of the first thing was like, hey, we got to do emergency surgery. We don't know what's going on in your belly, but we'll figure it out. Um, after that, I think it was my spinal surgeon was like, hey, you, you broke your back pretty good. Um, we're going to have to go in tomorrow since you need that emergency surgery today to do a spinal fusion. So that's when they were like, we're going to have to fuse your discs L2, L3, and L4 together. And I was like, oh, my God. Like in my head, I'm like, my back's going to be one piece. So that was a scary thing to process. And then well, even the fact that you could use your legs now is a big deal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then I think after that, so I was like, man, my leg is so sore. Like for some reason I was really fixated on my leg and I was like, is there a bruise there or something going on? And they're like, we don't see anything. They're like, we'll get an x-ray machine in here. And I was like, yeah, you know, it really hurts. So they finally x-ray it and they don't say anything in front of you, but they just look at it and they're like, mm because they have to take it to somebody else to show them to verify. <laughs> but then they come back in 10 minutes later and they're like, yeah, you have a left tibia fracture. Um, so you can decide if you want surgery on that or if you just want to cast it like all the way up to your hip and just leave it like that. And I'm just like, oh my God, so many decisions. <laughs> you're like, I'm already um, at my cap for my insurance. So we might as well just go for yeah, it. Might as well just do it. And then I think after that one, it was um, neurology and cardiovascular came in and they were like, hey, your carotid artery that goes to your brain, they were like, you pretty much dissected that, like cut it in half about 90%. They're like, so we're super worried that you could have a stroke at any moment or all these other terrible things. I was like, cool. Yeah. So immediately they come in and they start giving me blood thinners and you're just like, oh my God, here I am, 29 years old <laughs> on stroke protocol like so crazy. And then I think the last thing was actually when I was going into my emergency surgery, the anesthesiologist was like, so we're going to be really careful when you move you since you have all those broken ribs on the right side. And I said, what? <laughs> just like, it was funny at this point though. I'm like, cause Whoa. it was just add another thing on. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's cool. We'll, we'll recover. <laughs> So when I, I think my trauma surgery, the first, um, it's called an exploratory laparotomy. So they basically just cut you open midline and figure out what's going on in your abdomen. So they opened me up and they saw that I had frayed away a portion of my large intestine from the seatbelt impact. So it basically rubbed off a layer of my large intestine and I was less than a millimeter away from like completely perfing it which is basically where your intestine explodes open and you, you get become septic and, and yeah, pretty much. So I got super, super lucky. It was probably with Jimmy John's that insulated it. So hopefully they'll shout out to Jimmy. Sponsored. <laughs> Sponsored. We'll call you up. <laughs> Jimmy John's and PBR, call us. Oh yeah, call us. We'll hook you up. 
<laughs> so, oh man, in that surgery, they took out a foot of my large intestine. So luckily there's so much of it to go around, but the entire right side is now gone. So they basically reconnected everything, flushed everything out, made sure it was working, stitched me back up. So yeah, I was, I was super thankful when I woke up that I didn't have a colostomy bag. Because yeah. going in, they were like, that's something that could happen depending on what your intestines look like. So I had just known from previous like medical experience, I was like, man, that's so much work. Like there's skin infections, there's all these terrible things. And like, it's, that would be like the worst case scenario. So the first thing I did when I woke up, like I lifted up my gown and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I still have my parts. I still poop out of my butt. <laughs> Uh, yeah so it was just like it's so crazy because then the next day I go in for spine surgery so it was just like back-to-back surgery days and you're exhausted and you're on so many pain meds and I remember by like day three or four they started to already wean me off of my pain meds and that's when I was like wow I am super hurt like I to go to the bathroom was a production because I would have to call all my nurses Um, they had to like help sit me up because I had this cast on my leg that was probably like 40 pounds. Well, and your abdomen cut wide open. Yeah. And your back is broken. So it's just like, how do you, like, everything was a contradiction. So when I would do physical therapy, they were like, well, you can move your toes. And I was like, cool. (laughs) (laughs) What exercise? Thank you, sir. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I can move my toes. It's funny too, Sam was in the hospital. She came to visit me and my, my biggest thing, I was like, I need to poop so bad, Sam. I was like, well, and we had just met at this point. Like I barely (laughs) knew you and I was like, very new. Yeah. I felt a little weird going to the hospital, but I cared. So I showed up and she was like, all we talked about was pooping the entire time. Yeah. I was like, I knew we'd be friends forever. So bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like the most horrible feeling though. You're on all these pain meds. You have this big surgery and you're just like, I need to dump. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone asks you every time they see you. If Every time. Them. And you're like, I haven't done it yet. You're like, the pipes aren't working yet. I yeah. think they're reconnected. You're like, please connect like, yeah. so you don't have I'm to like, put stuff up my butt. Right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, we crossed that bridge. Don't worry. <laughs> Enemas for I had, all. Like, I had the most amazing nightmares. Like, I feel so bad. Every night I was like, can you help me poop? <laughs> please. Like, Oh, and then when it finally happened, they were like, you can go home the next day. And you're like, yes. And then you're like, wait a minute. What? (laughs) You're like, yeah, you're like, I'm bed bound. And in physical therapy, you work on like basically getting in and out of a house and like how to transition like out of bed because I couldn't really roll because of my spine. So I was on something called BLTs, not sandwich, although delicious. Um, I, I couldn't bend <laughs> Strict with Strict BLT with diet. Strict BLTs. <laughs> that would hurt on those intestines. <laughs> yeah, not the best thing to eat when you don't have not intestines. <laughs> but yeah, there were like no bending, lifting, or twisting for, I think it was six weeks. No, eight weeks. It was two months. Yeah. So my mom had to like put on my socks and shoes and yeah, it was like the moment you can like wipe your own ass is historic. Yeah, (laughs) It's just like, it's so crazy to think about now because I feel like I went through so much physical therapy afterwards. Like the first couple of weeks I had in-home physical therapy where you literally like I was laying in bed and they would help you just like roll 
and like position to like be more comfortable at sleeping because I'm a side sleeper and I couldn't roll on my side because of my leg cast. Mm. And then you're trying to sleep on your back, but your back is broken. And it's just like, it's so uncomfortable. I feel like I didn't sleep for like months. (laughs) I was trying to heal. So after that, I went into leg rehab, spine rehab. So yeah, all the things for a long time. And I think I actually finished up with physical therapy early because when COVID hit, they started to kind of close down some of those things that weren't super essential. So I actually stopped going towards the end of March. So really, I only did, I would say, outpatient stuff for like December, January, February, and then a little bit of March. And then I kind of just had to do it on my own and start doing it at home. So yeah, it was crazy. It was you a went crazy... from not being able to sit up to being able to kind of run and yeah, kind months. of run. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, your spine is fused, and you it's have a work in, Yeah, it's a yeah. work in progress. <laughs> we get a little better every day. <laughs> okay, so we go into COVID, and then you yeah. switched your business a little bit from um, doing mostly personal chef stuff and teaching to mm-hmm. opening this business with Root. And maybe just talk a little bit about why Root is so revolutionary and why it's different than your average cafe. Yeah. So COVID ended up hitting in March and this idea was kind of born out of, you know, the accident and the downtime. I couldn't really work or do anything for so many months. So I just kind of sat around and I was like, man, I have a lot of time to think. Might as well do something with that and try to create something new and exciting. So Root Pharmacy was this meal prep service that was like, all right, let's cook um, meals that are super healthy, where we use local suppliers. And we're basically creating a meal prep for people that are too busy to do it. They want to eat healthy, but they also want food that tastes good. So we started Root Pharmacy in, I want to say like the first week in April. Because that was one of the first people I saw over quarantine was my health inspector. <laughs> we were both like, we we're like, I forgot to talk to people. <laughs> this is weird. So we uh, we do our health inspection at um, the downtown market in Grand Rapids and work out of their incubator kitchen all summer. So we start off doing, I think our first order was for like 60, 70 meals. So it was pretty good. I was happy yeah. with that. And then we start growing a little bit every week. And eventually we get to the point where we're like, yeah, we could be doing this more times a week. We could be making more money at this. There's a demand for it. And it just so happened that towards, I think it was August, the spot in East Hills, which was the old Kingfisher Marie Catrice building opened up. And we're like, wow, that's a great space. That's a great opportunity. We could do a lot there. So we ended up actually getting the space. And I think there were a couple other bidders at the time, some that were actually bigger, um, more like corporate yeah. type of places. So not necessarily local. So that's always scary too, when you're kind of in a pandemic that you're a small business, are you even going to get chosen for that space? Or are they going to go with like the guaranteed money type of thing? So they went with us, they took the risk. So we moved into that space in East Hills. And we were able to, oh my gosh, I think quadruple our meal prep production between Monday and Tuesday and also open a cafe front. So that's super cool now too, because the general public can just come in, grab meals. We have tons of different like beverages in the case, um, a lot of different women-owned businesses in there, 
um, made in Michigan stuff. So it's really cool because we're trying to embrace the community as well and support all of our local um, women-owned businesses here in Michigan all the way. (laughs) (laughs) Which in the restaurant industry is really hard because it's still a very male-dominated field, especially in Grand Rapids. There's a lot of reports of restaurants coming out where the owner's a scumbag and we're like, yeah, we knew that. That's that's old news. And so it's so nice for you to have an atmosphere where you're around other women and women of color and people who deserve the opportunity, but don't get it when they're working for a scummy head chef somewhere. Yeah, for sure. That's completely it too. And we have a lot of those discussions in the kitchen when we're just prepping and it's kind of like, man, I can't believe I put up with that for so long, or I can't believe how I was treated here. And it's just so sad because it feels like it's been so normalized. It's like, oh yeah, that just happens. It's food service. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to happen. You don't like, have to be sexually okay. harassed every time you work with no. a man. Yeah. No, exactly. It's like, that's, no. And yeah. I know what happens in other industries all the time too. Yeah. But I mean, it happens like to me when I work yeah. with male business owners, right? Like yeah. I'm not yeah. the biggest catch in the world, but they'll hit on anything that walks. I and don't know, it's, Sam. It's disgusting, yeah. really. <laughs> It is. Yeah, it really is. And it's just like, I'm glad that we have the safe space to have these conversations. And they're also excited to show up to work every day, always positive, always having fun. And that's, I think that's what's so cool about Route 2 is just the environment. Yeah, for sure. Like we, we had Taco Tuesday today. Or like, it's Tuesday. Let's get tacos. (laughs) Or you pet people's dogs, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, because we're really bringing in the dogs. <laughs> you're the executive chef. You have the uh, ability to be yourself. So yeah, for sure. And that's what yeah. And I think the cool thing too about our model is we do have really set things that we do as far as meal prep goes. But we're also trying to be super sustainable. So if we're like, hey, we have this leftover stuff coming, and farms donate stuff, we're like, cool. How do we make something super cool? Let's put it in the case, and it also allows. I know, like. Sandra, my sous chef, she's always like, yeah, let's create something. Let's do something new. Yeah. It's a cool thought for her to be creative to flex those culinary muscles. She's awesome. Flex on them. Flex on them, Sandra. (laughs) So I think we should probably take a break. We're doing really well time-wise. So go us. Um, And when we come back, we'll talk about um, kind of some behind the scenes of going on a Food Network show and what it's like and then what you Ooh, have planned it. for the future if you have anything planned for the future. So Yeah. Let's bloop, do it. Bloop, 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 break time. <laughs> I'm sweating. Okay. That's enough break time, I guess. Okay. <laughs> okay. With you, we talk about everything anyways, and I don't want to talk about any of the things I would talk to you about while someone's recording, so. Um, Okay, so you get called to go on the Food Network. How does that process work? How much can you, like, share with us? I think it's really fascinating Mm -hmm. to, like, hear about, like, the order in which they film things and how much of it is real. Like, are, are the people actually real shoppers or are they just plants or like those are the things that people don't know about what goes on and maybe yeah, for sure. you talk about the specific show you were on too yeah so to. super, i don't know what's in your contract market stakeouts meow 
<laughs> by yeah. Iron Chef Meow, hosted by Iron Chef Alex Gornishelli. Yes. So yeah, going back to, ooh, how did they find me? So they actually hunted me down on the interwebs. Okay. They had seen some of the things that I had done just like locally with Fox 17, which is cool. They're paying yeah. attention. I like that. Well, and you do a and, lot of social media, which I think yes. you're really well known for in the community. You're one of the like local voices for chefs. And I think as yeah. a woman, that's crazy because it still is a very male dominated industry here. And so for you to oh, be the one sure. that speaks out the most, I mean. Yeah, for sure. Got them. Got them. <laughs> Got them. So they, uh, so they found me through the interwebs and contacted me. And that's when I started doing all the applications they sent me. I had to film a video where I basically talk about myself, culinary style, what makes me different, um, how I would win, that type of thing. And then if they like you enough, they call you for a Skype interview. So I did the Skype interview twice because the first time around that I did it, I did it with a different producer than when they called me back around, I did it with another one. So after that, you do your Skype interview and they're like, all right, we'll let you know by like this date. And then it's always nerve wracking because you literally don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're like, all right, these are the days that we can take you. Um, does that work? And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so there's like be no ready warning to drop or anything. Everything. Yeah. You just got to be ready to go and do it. So then they set up like all your flights and everything. And yeah, then all of a sudden you're on a plane and you're heading out there and you're getting ready to film this TV show. And we didn't know anything about the show, like our timeline until literally the night before, I think at like six or seven o'clock at night, they were like, here's your timeline. We'll see you in the lobby at 7 a.m. And it was like, oh, wow. Like, they're very good at keeping everything super, like, tight-lipped and secret. Um, so then you get to set, and that's the first time you see the set. You get, like, a super brief tour of the stations and kind of what's available. I would say it's, like, 10 minutes, and that's okay. about it. And, like, for me, when I go anywhere and cook, like, for the first time, I'm like, I need some time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I need to figure out how this equipment works. And, yeah, you don't have that time. They're like, here's this. Here's so you that. don't get to like, like we search will... through the pantry first before you do a bunch of stuff? They give you a very brief, like five minutes to be like, here it is. Take a look. And you're like, okay, <laughs> cool. And I'm like, you don't have your cell phone. So it's not like you can take pictures and stuff and like think yeah. about it when you get back to the holding area. So because it was COVID, we were in a holding area just with like the other three contestants I was with. And everybody's of course in masks the entire time super like tight protocol and all that fun stuff and you go out and you start filming I think we started at like 9 a.m and it's pretty much exactly like you see on the show they're like here's your theme go (laughs) yeah it's like oh my god (laughs) do they make you like redo parts or do you just they just film what happens and hope for the best so there's a couple times where you, um, we filmed the running scenes a couple times. So that was super fun for me too, to <laughs> film running over and over. But yeah, stuff like that, they'll get multiple shots of. But as far as the actual like competition goes, when they say go and you start, the clock starts. Okay. And it's like, there's no pauses. There's no breaks. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. You like, there were a couple times where I felt like I was waiting for shoppers for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And I was like, I hope somebody comes out. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, it's just super crazy because I think the thing that makes this show so unique is 
not only do you have to cook in a parking lot, you don't know what the heck you're going to get as a theme. You don't know what's going to be in that cart. So you really have to just like think right off the top of your head. And I know like some of the other shows like Chopped, it's more of a level playing field because you all have the same stuff to start with. Yeah. And this is just like, hmm, nope. Like you could get I got a bunch food of and knee wraps. Exactly. Yeah. You could get a knee sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> I literally like when I got my first cart and it was all garbage, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to go home. <laughs> like I literally was like, I'm going home. There's no way there's no recovering. Did you so uh, when you were going into it did you have cuz you kind of broke the mold a little bit. I watch a lot of Food Network and you yeah. kind of like were a little rebellious because you made a lot of things from yeah, scratch from the pantry. I did. Did you have I that did. plan going in or did you do it because it was the only option? So going in, I kind of had some things in my back pocket. I was like, you know, I know my pickling liquids, I can do some basic stuff. Um the desserts are what scare me most because I don't do a lot of desserts. So I was like, all right, I need to like, just think of ratios in my head where I know if I have to like pull a cake out of my ass in a parking lot, I can do it. So I went in, um, (laughs) (laughs) so I went in, basically I researched a bunch of different recipes and I was like, okay, I feel like I could pull like these things off with very minimal ingredients kind of got the ratios right in my head. So I knew that I wasn't messing up like any of like the baking soda, like the leavening with like the liquid and the flour. So I used my science brain and <laughs> you started to, like, store ra- I started to store ratios kind of in my head if I had to do something on the fly. And I think because I went into it with like just that knowledge of like, okay, I can do that. Is it like a huge risk? Yes but is it worth it? Definitely. If I can make it happen. Yeah. So I think that really helped me, Yeah. especially in that round when I made the cake, like I had cake mix and I, they like everything in that bag, they set you up to use the cake mix for sure. Like that bag had everything I needed to just make fun funny. And I was like, you know what? Nah. (laughs) Take it to the next level. Yeah. I was like, I'm not using this. (laughs) So (laughs) Yeah, it's it's crazy though. It I don't know. They were like they're like you you didn't seem super frantic. And I was like I was just thinking through it, like processing. I feel like everything we do at Root with Root Pharmacy where we're cooking like 300 meals from scratch in one day with like 20 something different recipes. I'm like it's crazy enough. Well, and you so have to, to substitute a couple of things too because you do allergen yeah, free cooking. So you're used sure. to so, having to use yeah. things like yogurt instead of sour cream and yeah all gluten-free flours and yeah so that's why I'm like it is super challenging but at the same time I'm like I can logically think through it enough to pull it off yeah and I think that's another thing too an advantage that you know we do so many different crazy things at root and I have my hands on a lot of different projects too and I'm just able to think about more of those things more so than just like a standard restaurant menu yeah. So I think that is an advantage too, for sure, on some of those shows. Well, and I think one of the biggest mistakes that people on those shows make is they want to show off their cuisine, like their mm-hmm. their choice of cuisine. They go in being like, I'm going to teach yeah. the world about vegan eats. And you're like, mm, for okay, sure. yeah, I, I appreciate your mission, but like, that's not what this is about. You work exactly. with what you got. <laughs> yeah. And that's what my biggest thing going in, I was like, 
I'm going to do everything that I can do that I think I can pull off. I'm not going to do anything that I think is just going to be like total shit. Yeah. That was my biggest thing. Yeah. And you did it. And we did it. We done did liked it. It. <laughs> it was great. What was the one thing, like, was there anything that surprised you about filming that you didn't expect? I think I would say when we showed up, there were like a couple people on set, like setting up and stuff. I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Like, it looks awesome. But then like, it's crazy. A couple minutes before you start filming, like even more people appear. And then you just look out and you're like, there's like 50 people here. Like, this is a big production. (laughs) And you're like, and then you say something to like one of the producers and they're like, oh, but we're actually slimmed down because of COVID. And I'm like, how many people film one of these shows? Like, it's wild how many people it takes to pull this off and how many cameramen there are. Cause you each have a cameraman that's following you around. Wow. You have like your own personal like filming team. It's so crazy. Yeah. And we're used to working with one camera for lucky. Yeah. <laughs> that's like for sure. And I, I think about like going and doing my Fox 17 segments and it's like, yeah, there's like a decent sized team. There's always a couple people there, but when you're on like the grand, like, when you're on the huge stage of like all the food and stuff, you're like, wow, there are a lot of people and they all have like a very specific job. And it's kind yeah. of cool to see that. Yeah. Um, okay. So we are talking about the things you made. What was yeah. your favorite thing that you made? I know that the judges really liked your Oh my cake. God. They were obsessed with the cake. I was super, super proud of the meatball that I did because... I was so flustered after that first cart with like all the unusable shit. I was like, Oh my God. So then I get the second cart and I see like some fresh vegetables in there, some ground meat, like sour cream. And I'm like, man, it's not super Greek, but like in my head, I make lamb meatballs and like tzatziki all the time with pita. And I had like some rough elements of it that I could still pull it off with because we had a decent spice pantry yeah. So you had like your allspice and cumin, your oregano. So I was like, cool, I can get flavors in this. So I just thought like pulling that together and out of my booty was probably a really, <laughs> and like, I think honestly, by the time I got the bag and like really thought through it and started, I think I had like 16 minutes left. Yeah. And it goes by so fast. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, so and you- crazy. Like you cook Mediterranean stuff all the time for root. So like I do, you probably were yeah. excited. Hold on. Anyway, you cook <laughs> you cook you cook Mediterranean food all the time for root because it's a really good allergen free alternative. So I bet you were really for excited sure. when you got a Greek yes. theme. And I then did absolutely pumped. nothing. I know. So I was like I was super pumped. They were like, year round is it's all Greek to me. And I was like, boom, money. I was like, here we go. We're going to pull off like the sweetest dish. And my thing, the first round, I was like, okay, I can buy as many carts as I want, but I can't see into them. So I was like, I'm going to try to get like a cart as soon as possible. So I can go through it at least. If it's crappy, I'll just go back. So at least it was super crappy and I could go back, <laughs> but I had to wait a while for the second one. But yeah, I was like, I know the cuisine super well. And I know all my competitors were a little stressed out about it because they were like, I don't cook a lot of Greek food. And I was like, "Mm, this is money. Like, if I get something I like, I can do something. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I don't think everyone knows that you were competing against a chop champion. A very sassy chop champion. Yes, I know. Yes. (laughs) 
that's she dropped that bomb like 20 minutes before the day started and i was like oh my god <laughs> Instant intimidation. I like wanted, yeah i wanted to cry i was like all right cool this has been a great opportunity <laughs> i just packed up i was like it's been real guys <laughs> yeah that no it's super cool because i think it makes like the win even better i'm just like yeah. man like she she can cook girls yeah. can cook for sure so yeah. So the fact that you can beat her is crazy. So I know. Um, let's talk a little bit about the opportunity too. Like, does being yeah. on the Food Network mean you get to do more with the Food Network? Does it mean that you're famous now and you're going to leave me and move to California? <laughs> does, or no. did you just make some good friends and you're like, your community's expanded a little bit? Like, how has life changed since you've been on the Food Network? Yeah, I would say life hasn't changed too much. Um, I would say say personal chef wise I've definitely gotten a lot of requests as soon as the show came out um and I was already booked up pretty well into spring so I took on a couple more but that's about it um chef B who was on the show who is from Louisiana I keep in touch with him he's super great I love that guy (laughs) like the sweetest heart well and Louisiana is your favorite place ever so yes I love Louis oh yeah I'm wearing you guys can't see it but I'm wearing a Saints hat as I do this podcast (laughs) much love to the state of Louisiana but yeah I don't know it's so weird it's very weird I think it always leaves the door open for more for sure um I don't know I think they space their their talent out quite a bit but you know there's always opportunity to come back and do something else which is cool well because they know you Um, exist now so yeah and a lot of the people that come on and do win you see them on other shows there there's a lot of repeat chefs on there so I think there's always that opportunity which is awesome but yeah I loved it I worked with like the nicest producers they're all fantastic they're super great at their job yeah I'm just like man high level stuff out here. <laughs> well, and you never know too, like when you're an entrepreneur and you work for yourself, what that stuff leads yeah, to. Like for sure. It's amazing how exposure like that and like working for certain people, it's a big deal when it happens. And then it gets kind of quiet afterwards. And then a year or two yeah. down the road, you're like, Oh, you heard about me from this thing and you want to give me a million dollars. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. It is super weird though. Cause there's like this huge buzz and when the show came out, I was actually in Arizona and that entire night, like I was getting all the calls and emails from like all the producers back here in Grand Rapids to do interviews. And of course I was staying up super late partying, getting my drink on and drinking out of cougars. Uh, yeah. Cougars. Oh yeah. So part of the winnings went towards um, a gold Jaguar filled with uh, tequila. So Yeah. Why you're not, welcome Food right? Network for spending your money. Yeah, so well. yeah, I spent the money so wisely. <laughs> but yeah, so then they're like calling you for all these interviews and stuff, and you're a two hour time difference. So their shows are airing at like 8 a.m., 9 a.m. here. So I'm up at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. there trying to like do all these interviews and stuff with people. And I'm just like, I'm exhausted and hungover. <laughs> And then they're even using like the video from our Zoom interviews that we're doing. And I'm just like, it's the great experience. It was really great. It was really great. Like everybody I was with was like in the hot tub at 8 a.m. Tucson time, just getting a drink on, drinking Mars. And you're doing press interviews. Yeah, I'm sitting at the table doing all this press. I'm like, I hate you guys. I know we're on vacation right now, but 
<laughs> That's my goal, though, is for you to get famous so I can just follow you around and be the one in the hot tub while you do all the work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know. Everyone was like, this is a great vacation. I was sitting there all stressed out. I was like, man, I hope my Zoom connects on my phone and this like janky Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um okay so we you know you conquered the world you won ten thousand dollars you're yes. moving up in the world ten uh grand let's talk about how people can taste the things you made oh yes super cool thing we're gonna do coming up march 19th at the amethyst bee cakery with miss paula reed so we're going to be doing like a little food network pop-up so i'm going to make every single dish i made on the show so you're going to get greek meatballs pomegranate cake and the blueberry goat cheese flatbread we're gonna make it all we're gonna do it we're gonna taste the menu yeah 10 grand's worth (laughs) the ten thousand dollar menu you can buy yes every single on the 16th of march at amethyst bee cakery 19th 19th wait it's the 19th I was like, is it the 16th <laughs> you got me confused i was like wait a minute we'll put it in the show notes whatever the real date is yeah the 19th. <laughs> we're gonna do it it's on the internet somewhere <laughs> um it's on the internet look it up <laughs> so you're doing root stuff do you have a new menu coming out for the spring what are you doing what's your what's yeah, your goal for root- the next six months man Six months. Okay. Root spring menu is dropping in early March. So that'd be is cool. Is there a cap um, on how many do- people can sign up for pharmacy meals weekly or is there like, man, you know what? Not right now. We're like, we're really rocking it out. I think Monday's full. You can jump on Tuesday. We've talked about adding Wednesday. So seriously, like sky's the limit. Jump Sweet. on. Yeah, and we're Caleb gonna do like and an I have, tunable too. Caleb and I have been doing it since it started, and it's really nice for like lunches if your husband works mm-hmm. in a normal job like my husband does, or if you work in a normal job, like to not have to think about what you're going to eat for lunch every day and have something actually nutritious that doesn't taste like trash is really sure. nice. So it's it's about the same cost as if you were to buy a lean cuisine every day. So you might as well just get fresh food instead. So mm, that's so true. And if you try to buy all the ingredients to like make the stuff, like I can't even imagine how much it would be. Yeah. Cause it's really high quality thing. stuff. She gets food mm-hmm. from fish lads, um, revolution farms. Revolution farms. We got Visser farms, um, shady Creek. We got all kinds of people. Yeah. A all bunch of people. really good local produce, which Jen said on the show on food network, Michigan is really great for produce. We've got a lot of, really good options that they don't have elsewhere Super diverse. So. i know we're killing it we're crushing it I'm trying to think of what else is going on um a ton of bachelorette parties on the books i'm super thankful because i think i just want to do bachelorette parties from like here on out yeah well and we <laughs> super are excited. very we're very inappropriate people as a friend group yeah. and so um our friend so. paula <laughs> makes a lot of penis shaped and vagina shaped treats and yeah, jen so please is hire us from all your best yeah we are really fun at a party and i know everyone says that but we really are like even if you're strangers you'll have a good time with us so i'll photograph it jen will take we'll cook you dinner and paula will make you treats and you'll be happy because your party will be like a trifecta (laughs) (laughs) it's it's the bachelorette party trifecta that's what i'm gonna name everything you need really yeah seriously so that's what's on tap right now yeah no huge plans right now which is kind of cool it's exciting also very reasonable because 
if we make plans, they just get canceled because of COVID. That's true. And 2020 was honestly so crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was crazy busy. So it's kind of nice now. Yeah. So uh, if you want to follow Jen, she's Jenny with the good eats on Instagram. Um, She also does some guest spots for milk means more, which is pretty fun. Anywhere else Mm -hmm. that you do things. Oh man. What else am I doing right now? You might see me over at Pap's Blue Ribbon a little bit. That's right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's yeah, drinking yeah. it constantly. So that's <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of. <laughs> um, you'll probably see me on like Miranda. Got some okay. Miranda spots coming up. Yeah, you know, I'll be around. Okay. Well, so if you see Jen, make sure you say hi uh, before she gets too famous. And. <laughs> I think that's all we have. Do you have anything else you want to say to the the 40 people that listen to this? Um, adopt, don't shop. <laughs> we love puppies. <laughs> we love puppies. And kittens. <laughs> and kitties. <laughs> okay, we're done. Okay, bye. See you later. Bye. bye. <laughs>